Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for life and leadership in Christ. Today on the podcast, a dear friend of mine, Greg Fay. Now, Greg is a local Centerville guy who also happens to be just somebody that I've had the privilege to get to know over the last couple years. He's a Christian business owner. He owns an insurance agency. And at the end of the podcast, we have a very special announcement, some exciting news to share, but you got to get wait to the end. I'm not going to share it now. What you do need to know about this particular episode is that we're going to talk about generosity. We're going to talk about um, what it means to grieve well, particularly his mom and just uh, that particular relationship, how to overcome adversity in your life. And Greg is just an incredible story to share. I know you're going to love it. If you do, do me a favor, share this episode with a friend, maybe somebody who you know deals with grief issues or wants to be more generous. It's perfect for someone like that. I also know you're going to love Greg, so check out his website, gregfayinsurance.com. And now, without any further ado, here's my conversation with Greg Fay. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited today to have one of my dear friends. Uh, Gosh, he and I have been hanging out regularly for several years. The legendary Greg Fay. Greg, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. (laughs) Legendary. (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) You're just trying to get me to smile, aren't you? (laughs) Well, Greg, I know you as this incredible man of God, a leader in our community and uh, a Christian business owner. Um, But there are are so many things that you do that are bigger than that. And so, you know, as somebody who listens to the podcast, I always like to start in the macro how would you describe the calling that God has placed on your life? Oh man, his his chase has been relentless. Uh, that's what I would start out saying. His chase has been relentless. Uh, when I say that, I think I mean it. Well, I know I mean it in the sense that uh, I give my mom a lot of credit because I've always well, I give God credit first because He placed a faith in me that was very near the surface. Uh, I didn't have to dig very hard to find it. And I think he made it easy for me because he recognizes, he recognizes I need dots put a little bit closer together to connect them. But uh, I give him uh, credit and glory for that. My mom, uh, there's never been a doubt to me that a God exists, that the creator of the universe was who he was. And she connected me with religion and uh, that's where I spent a lot of my time and uh, a lot of my time in religion. And when I just needed more, uh, I went to relationship. And when I went to relationship, uh, he grabbed a hold of me. And uh, based on what my level of obedience was at the time, he steered me in some directions and he put me in some places. And I could not be any more thankful. So I won't ramble. <laughs> I'll stop there. No, it, it's good. I, I love the way you talk about your relationship with God. So let me ask um, the, another question that'll be similar, but in a different vein. When you think about your relationship God with God as it plays out with other people, what do you think your role is with other folks as it pertains to reflecting God's light? Oh boy. Uh, 
you told me one time something that uh, you sh- you kind of you were a mirror for me uh, to give me something to look at and and help me see something inside of me that maybe I didn't see maybe I knew it but I don't know that I saw it in the forefront. And you told me one time my superpower was connecting people. And when I kind of marry that idea of of connecting people with my love of people, I always tell people, uh, you've never met an insurance guy that loves what he does more than what I do and it has zero to do with insurance. And it has everything to do with people. So I think that uh, you uh, just kind of playing that mirroring role for me and uh, sharing what you saw, that's where it's made it obvious how God, I think, wants to use me, whether it's uh, connecting people in need whether it's me being connected to someone in need or me connecting someone that can help someone in need. And he's grown my heart, my heart. Uh, I don't have a normal size heart <laughs> and it's all because of him. Uh, that it really is. Uh, and I think that he's just opened up my heart to see some of the things that he wants me to see. And, uh, yeah. What's uh, one of the things that I really admire about you, Greg, is that you have managed to kind of enlarge your heart despite what a lot of people would say are some pretty major life setbacks. Um, One of the ones that I was hoping you might tell us a little bit about is uh, the the incident with your brother, if you feel comfortable sharing about that. I know you're you're really open about it. But I, w- I would kind of love for you to share with the podcast family um, what happened with your brother and then how you moved on from it. Because I know that there are a lot of leaders right now who have things that feel insurmountable, and yet they must take the next step forward. Uh, well, I got to give credit to God and my mom there, too. My mom first, because my mom reflected God to me. I always, when I pray and I give thanks for her, I give thanks for her for two uh, F's, one of them being forgiveness and one of them being faith. And again, I said, I know know God put that faith seed in me and he put it very close to the surface. So it'd be very easy for me to find and recognize. But my mom uh, was a mirror of forgiveness. You did my mom's mom's service and several of us put together a eulogy. And one of the things that always amazed me and my wife Stacy talks about it often is that my mom forgave my mom forgave the 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 guy that murdered my brother uh she forgave him not right on the spot uh but she knew she was going to she always said to me that she was going to and one day I went to her house uh, I had moved her down here to Ohio I went to her house one day, just checking in on her, and she handed me a letter, and she hand, she said she kept a copy of it, and she said she uh, enveloped up, a, a prepared a copy to be mailed. She asked me how we were to get a letter to Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, where he is, uh, where he'll probably spend the rest of his life in prison. And I knew at that moment right there, I always knew she was going to write it, but she said, here, I wrote it, Did I did the hard part. Uh, it's funny to me because she wrote it twice, even though they make copying machines these days. <laughs> she wrote it twice. She said she needed to write it twice. 
so that she could have a copy and uh, we mailed it off. And there's never been a greater example of forgiveness than that. My mom taught me a lifetime of uh, a lifetime lesson right there. So uh, as hard as it has been, I have tried to uh, do exactly what I'm trying to follow her example exactly the way that she did it. Uh, I don't. I come close some days. I do terrible some other days. But, uh, boy, she led with an example that will stick with me for the rest of my life. So uh, where I'm quick to anger and slow to forgive, I certainly try to get quicker. I try to get from the anger to the forgiveness a lot quicker now from the example she gave me. How old were you when your brother was murdered? Ah, uh, so 1988, 22. He was 20 and I was 22. You know, you and I have never talked about this before, but I'm curious, what did that moment do for the next couple of decades of your life? I mean, obviously a, a scarring and jarring moment, but also, um, you know, it, it had to have kind of caused you to pivot or shift professionally and personally as well. I would imagine. Yeah, boy, I, I, I immediately collapsed on my parents um, to take care of them. Uh, I'm certain that I didn't grieve about it the, the amount of time that I needed to grieve about it at the time because I knew that they needed to be taken care of. It felt perfectly natural uh, for me to do that. Um, uh, it cost me a little bit in the long run, or not in the long run, but just in the, in the short period of time after uh, all of it took place, I did find time to grieve and, and, and deal with it, but it really taught me, uh, it really, it's probably the first step of when I recognized that I was going to need to uh, repay. Uh, I never had the opportunity with my father to repay anything as far as caring for him, but I certainly had the opportunity. It taught me that I was going to need, that was my first step in caring for my mom. And even though she was self-sufficient for, oh, she was 12, uh, 30 years after that, uh, it really was the first, first step. It made me recognize how much she was going to need to be cared for. Uh, and like I said, even though she was completely self-sufficient for a very long period of time afterward, uh, it's first, it's the first time I did it. You don't think of caring for your parents. Uh, but that was a moment I recognized it was necessary. We're going to jump into some of your entrepreneur journey in just a second. Um, but I, I would be remiss if I did not talk about, uh, the way that you handled your mom's last year of life as I uh, was very humbled and honored to walk alongside you in that. Um, you moved your mom into your house, of course, with Stacy. You're, yours and Stacy's house. Stacy's his wife. Uh, wonderful saint of a woman, actually. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm wondering if you could talk in reflection about the gift that it was to watch your mom, this faithful, incredible woman, transition into heaven from... Uh, the comfort of your home being that close to her? No, oh, it was crazy. Uh, I give Stacy all the initial credit because before I got the question out of my mouth about as far as whether my mom could come live with us, she had already said yes. Uh, and 
so it was a two-year journey that we really uh, we were really really anxious about what it was going to look like and in hindsight although there were some incredibly difficult parts in hindsight it was far easier than what we expected it was far more rewarding than what we expected and again that's not to say that it didn't get messy uh, because it did uh, and anybody who's cared for an elderly parent especially one at the end of life uh, would know that but when I look back in hindsight her and I I remember her and I talked the day that uh, the, the the day following when she passed and we just said we could not believe how easy in retrospect it was how easy she made it uh, she always told me that she wanted to uh, uh she made it very clear that she wanted to stay at our house as long as possible if, if possible you know to pass away at our house and i just kind of looked at her like she had three heads and i was like i don't know how the world we're going to pull that off and just a lot of prayer and peace on her part God gave her a peace. Stacy says this all the time. My mom had a peace about passing away. Uh, you saw the picture that we had on stage at my mom's service, and it's the famous picture that you've seen a million times. It's a lady jumping into the arms of Jesus, and she could not be more joyful, and Jesus could not be more welcoming. And I literally think that's that's what it was like, and my mom saying that and living that and expecting that made this peace. Stacey says, I, I don't get how she was so peaceful about something like passing away. And yeah, it was, it was just peaceful. So, I mean, she literally fell, she literally passed away in her sleep. Uh, I think nine days inside a hospice care. Uh, and it just could not have been more peaceful. And she literally, uh, uh, my best friend, Charlie, made the comment to me, the two days before she passed were really difficult. My kids had come over to see her grandmother for probably the last time. Uh, I was telling Charlie how I was struggling with that. And he said, man, he said, he said, think of it this way. And it's, and it's because I told him about the peace my mom had and almost the anxiousness to get to heaven, really. Uh, he said, man, she is about ready to experience the best day of her life. And that warmed me in a way that I cannot even describe. It, it like, it lightened the burden. It, I don't want to say it made it easier, but it did. I mean, it just did. He said, you know, man, she's about ready to experience the best day of her life. How do you get down when <laughs> when someone says that to you? And and you know it's true. You know what I'm saying. So anyway, yeah. That's so good. That's so good. Uh, one of the things that you did um, in that time period was you read your mom something that you wrote. I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that experience, and and then I I promise we're going to go to your entrepreneur stuff. But this is such a, a, a good look at who you are as a human. It's well, jock my memory here. Cause there were a couple things that I kind of, uh, ceremonially did 
with my mom as she was passing the last couple of weeks. Bring, draw me to where you're at. So. I was thinking specifically about the eulogy that you wrote for her. You, oh. you read your mom. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, uh, I didn't read her word for word what it was. She certainly understood what I was going to say. Uh, I remember telling my oldest daughter, Lacey, uh, if you want, it's the Stephen Covey principle. If, 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 if uh, Reflect to the end of your life and imagine someone reading your eulogy. What is it that you want them to say? What, excuse me, what is it you want them to say? And then just live life in reverse to ensure that you do the thing so that people will say what you want them to say at your eulogy. My mom gave no thought to that. She just simply did it. She just simply did it. And, uh, and she knew, so she kind of knew all the things that I was going to talk about. She knew all the grandkids were going to talk. Uh, it, it was just so incredibly peaceful. I mean, for such a violent event, uh, it, yeah, it, it, it was, it was peaceful really. I love that. And I, I think it's a good tool that if, if there's somebody's listening who is wrestling with a relationship, there's no time like the present to tell them how you feel uh, and what a blessing they are in their life. I, I saw that change you and um, and I, I just wanted to draw it out. So so thank you for letting me kind of uh, nip at this vulnerable part of who you are. I, I No, no, it. we're good. We're good. Uh, now you've done a lot of things in your life entrepreneurially. One of the things that I'm, I've never asked you was, did you know that, um, at, at what point did you know that you wanted to be an entrepreneur and not just somebody who punched in and punched out? Oh boy. I would, uh, and that's the reason I got out of the military. I loved being in the military. I was in the military for six years, actively two years inactively. Uh, I loved the military. I absolutely loved it. My only struggle was is that I did not think that I could pursue anything along the lines of being an entrepreneur in the military. Now, in hindsight, I'm learning there could have been possibly ways to have, but you can't redo history, but I loved the military. Um, so I've really early on, I just, it's, it's one of the reasons I got out of the military. I never knew what it looked like. I used to be so you being an entrepreneur, this will make you smile. I've never told you this before. I literally thought that when you own your own business, that you literally go apply for a business license in the exact same, same way that you do a driver's license, not as if you have to take a driver's test or something like that, but something just always told me. And I remember the two gentlemen that mentored me that I ended up owning a very small portion of a business that I operated for them. I took away an equity piece from it. And it's, it's what's in It's what enabled me to start my first business with my, my best friend, Charlie. Um, but I literally kept saying to Larry Kugler, where do I get the license? And he kept asking me, Greg, what license? Now he had a deep, thick Southern draw, Southern accent, and I can't do it. But he kept saying, what license is it that you are referring to? There's a lot of licenses you got to have. And I said, yeah, I said, I'm, I'm sure there are. But isn't there just a business license that you have to have to start that says you can be in business? 
And he said, no, 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 there's not. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. I literally, I literally thought that uh, nobody could start a business unless they had that business license. I don't know what it indicated to anybody. I don't know who it registered you with. But, yeah. It's so fascinating because I think a lot of us deal with the reason we would look for that, which is what I would say is imposter syndrome. And that imposter syndrome, that thought of like, I don't know that I'm qualified to be a leader or to be a Christian leader or to be an entrepreneur. I, you've you've lived um, a life as an entrepreneur, by all accounts, wildly successful. When did the imposter syndrome for you wear off and you, you finally realized, I'm here, this is, I'm... I'm doing this. Well, God's doing it, and I'm helping. <laughs> mm. Well, it, 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 maybe about two years ago. It's, 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 <laughs> it's as recent as two years because my first business venture failed miserably for several reasons, and uh, uh, you know, and it was so frustrating. I mean, it literally, it literally took me into personal bankruptcy. It broke me. It. I don't know. I, I never ever wonder. I never ever thought I'd be able to do it again until I woke up one morning and I still had a house. I still had a house payment to make. I still had car payments to make and I still had kids that needed clothes and it hit me. So when I turned 40 after that first business failure, uh, it's hard for a 40 year old to dig a second well after, especially when you feel like you dug the first well really deep and it was really resourceful and it was really full and it was going to be enough. And it's hard to get motivated when that well got filled up with cement for nothing, for there to be nothing to be drawn from it. And at age 40 to uh, reinvigorate and dig in. And that's where God just blessed me with this energy. I'm thankful that you didn't know me when I was 40 because that, that I, and I'm thank I say this to a lot of people. I went after insurance with a, uh, with a energy, uh, an enthusiasm. I'll quote, I'll quote, uh, uh my football team's a head coach, uh, Jim Harbaugh with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind, unknown to mankind. My enthusiasm going into the insurance business was, and it was probably all bad because I had the insurance guy from uh, Groundhog Day, Ned something, every time someone saw him, they turned and ran because they knew all he was gonna do was come and talk about insurance. I'm sure that was me. And, and, uh, so it took me a long time to try to find my way through this and now having an agency with seven agents. Uh, my wife is the business manager that keeps it all together. My best friends, an agent, my son-in-law's an agent, my stepson's an agent. Uh, we're just having a ball. So it's, it's, just, it's only been pretty recently that you say, Hey, Greg, maybe the imposter syndrome tried to, uh, started to slip away. It's only been pretty recently to be candid with you. And for reference for my, the podcast family, how old are you now? 57, be 58 March of, uh, next year. 57. Uh, I I'm curious. There are a lot of people who have failed and didn't have the courage to get back up. 
Um, I'm sure that there are a lot of opportunities after that first business failure to go and work somewhere else. I mean, you're great with people. You're an incredible salesperson. Um, what inside of you said, I'm going to push the chips back in the middle one more time and bet on myself? Oh, boy. Yeah, because I wasn't a good bet back. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think I was a good bet back then. Uh, uh, all evidence to the contrary. It's hard. So, Tony, you're, you're an entrepreneur now. So, you know, it is very difficult. You almost become in some way, shape or form unemployable. Because you get spoiled with a flexibility, and it is not all about the money. We have only recently been able to really begin to reap any type of financial benefit from where we have been. and But I've enjoyed it the entire time. That sounds crazy, you know, that I've been an insurance agent for 15 years, and I've enjoyed it the entire time, although it has just been recently in the past, you know, let's say three to five years that we've enjoyed some of the financial reward. Um, I just felt like I was unemployable. I didn't think I could ever go work for somebody again. Uh, And I knew, boy, God just kept propping me up. He just, I, I, he just, if you think of uh, when you go bowling and those pins get knocked over and that machine just comes back down and grabs them up and picks them back up. That's what he did with me. Uh, and the one thing he did is he stayed behind and he kept it pretty soon. The bowling ball didn't knock me over. We just, we just figured out the way forward. And when you figure out the way forward and you know that he's on your side, uh, it's so comforting to uh, lay your head in bed every single night and be able to talk to uh, Charlie McMahon at Southbrook used a term, I don't know, maybe five, seven, ten years ago. They talked about Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was sweating blood over the anxiety of the fact that he was going to die on a cross uh, the very next day. And he used the term Abba. And he, he used the most affectionate term. I mean, it's any little kid, if they have a dad at some time, they'd call them daddy. And he used the most affectionate term in one of what had to be one of the most difficult time, difficult points in his life. Man, I, it makes me think if he can use that term, I can use that term anytime. So it makes it easy to pray when you think about praying to an image like that. Hey guys, just pausing this conversation with Greg to remind you to check out the Life and Leadership Newsletter. That's every single week we put out a newsletter designed to help you grow in integrity, right? A life that's fully integrated. You can go to my website, follow the number two leadcoaching.com. We would love to get you signed up there. Thank you guys so much. Now let's finish up this incredible conversation with Greg. Now, you are one of the most disciplined prayer warriors that I know. Um, I'm wondering if you could kind of talk, take us through your evening and morning routines as it pertains to walking to your faith. We, we here at the, the podcast family love to steal what's working for somebody else, so maybe it'll work for us. <laughs> uh, that's so, 
uh, you'll, 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 you'll see a common thread here. My best friend, Charlie, um, and I have been in several businesses together and we happen to be in the Amway business together. And we came across a guy named Johnny Hall. And not only was he ultra successful at the Amway business, but he was a pastor. And he was the type of pastor that I really drew me to uh, closer to Christ. And he would say when he was talking to people about the business, he would say to them when people would reply, listen, listen, uh, Johnny Hall, I've got to I've got to pray about that. And he says, let's let's pray right now. You know what I mean? Let's pray right now. I would rather us pray right now than you run the uh, you run the uh, risk of forgetting. So I kind of took that and applied that to applied that to if I know someone that needs prayer, I just try to do it right on the spot or I try to get their name down some way, shape or form so that I do it that night. God's blessed me, my family, Stacy and I was so much. I spend very little time praying about myself because I think God has blessed me so much. And I try to really spend a lot of time praying for other people. And I really just try to remember every single, I just texted one of my clients this morning and I've noticed in the text thread, I said, tell Ed happy birthday. And oh my gosh, Francis, I have forgot to ask about how you're doing. I know that you just found out that you were battling cancer. And I read the prayer that I had texted her the, de- the time she told me she had cancer. We hung up the phone and I texted her a prayer and, you know, it, and she, and I thought she's going on my prayer list. But uh, I was always, I was always afraid. I guess I'm more diligent because I was afraid I'd forget, just to put it simply. One of the things that's interesting about your particular business is that you lead um, this kind of movement with Stacy, who's your wife, and there's a whole bunch of family involved. Leading people is hard enough when you're not related to them. It seems like it's significantly harder when they're all people who you can't fire and never see again. How do you manage the tension of, of family um, and the fact that you're the only Michigan fan in the group? Oh, man. Everybody back, else, thank God, is a Buckeye fan. Can we, can we go back and talk about my mom's more? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, you know, it's hard. Uh, you interviewed my daughter, my middle daughter, Leah, and I. And you did an incredible job of digging into and getting us to get out there. We've always known how we respectfully manage disagreement but you helped us get it out in front of us and we loved how it looked uh you just had a way of asking questions we did a book we did a 45 minute book on tape that day and you helped us write that book and it was material we already knew we didn't generate any there was no original material in that podcast that you did for us so I refer back to that just to say, when you're in a relationship with someone that you love and you know that that relationship is far more important than anything that goes on between nine and five in the office, 
you really, you can't help but look at it through a different lens. You just simply, you ask questions differently, you handle conflict differently, you, everything is different when you lead with, I know at the end of this day, whether this person continues to be an agent or not, I love them to death and I'm going to end up seeing them and I want to. Uh, so that's, I don't know, that's the best I can do there, brother. One of the things that I know about you and Stacy is that you're incredibly generous. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm going to embarrass you a little bit. You might be one of the most generous people that I've ever met with your time, with your talent, with your treasure. How how did you become, how how did you wake up and decide that generosity was going to be one of the core values, not just for your business, but also for your life? Uh, I didn't because I've spent most of my life not being that way. Uh, Stacy and I, it's, it's funny they bring this up. Uh, Stacy's always been generous uh, for the entire time I've known her, and I can't imagine a time in which she, she had not been. Um, I hadn't always, but I always wanted. Uh, I really, the, uh, I always had an excuse why I couldn't be as generous as I wanted to. I always had an excuse. It was, well, I've got to pay down a little bit of debt. I've got a business that's failing. I'm working a lot of hours. I always had an excuse why I could not be generous. And Tony, that is for the absolute biggest chunk of my life. It has not been, except in the past five years, I would say, God has always blessed us. His his blessings have not changed for me. Uh, so I've always been as blessed as I am. I think I've navigated it better. He's, he's led me to navigate it a little bit better now. And it now becomes a priority where it never was. So when you literally, I was just listening to, uh, and I've got a, I'm going to text you a question when we hang up. Cause I was talking about, I was reading Malachi. I was uh, listening to Malachi and they talk about, uh, you know, first fruits and, uh, storing them up. And I went to a church where our pastor really has done a good job talking about a very difficult topic and tithing. And I just kept hearing it and I kept reading it. And I all of a sudden started getting it. It took 52, the better part of 52 years to realize, but it's in, it's just an incredible feeling. I can't even describe that Stacy and I were uh, 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 talking about a movement with uh, Shoes for the Shoeless, Chris Horlicker's group. And we, we've, we volunteered and, and supported them for several years now. And Chris is so incredible about coming back to you and tell you, telling you how you blessed someone specifically, almost to the point of tears. And her and me, as she's telling the story. And I just looked at Stacy, I think it was last night or the night before, and I said, how cool does it feel to have an impact like that? It's a, it's a drug. It, it, it's a it's a it's a feeling of euphoria that I cannot even and and I and I cannot imagine how I did not get it for 52 years. I just can't fathom it. Uh, the dullness in my ears or the thickness of my skull got in the way <laughs> in a way that I wish it hadn't. But I think we got a lot of time to catch up. 
Amen. One of the things that uh, I know about you is that you kind of um, work one day at a time and you approach it with still a tenacity, but also just a confidence now that you've been doing it for a while. One of the things I like to ask people who are um, who, who are business leaders is, you know, as, as we pray for you in the year ahead, um, because the podcast family loves to pray, and I know you're part of that. Um, what can we pray for you in 2024? Oh boy. Um, man, I think God, God has shown me so much and, you know, so you hear God's voice, you being a pastor, you've heard, you've probably had people describe to you in four or five different ways that they've heard God. Some of it's simply that still small, quiet voice that in some way, shape or form is audible. Some of it is people uh, uh, communicate with God and hear God through worship, whether it's reading scripture and having a very clear understanding of what is being communicated or whether it's through prayer can just have prayer with God and communicate. That hasn't been the case with me, and you of all people know, as I've uh, uh, as I took Eric Horseman's challenge to read the Bible in a year, uh, I've asked a lot of questions because a lot of it I don't get. But here's what I do get. Here's what I'm thankful for. The last way that I think people hear God's voice is through the people that they surround themselves. When you as a Christian man, if you surround yourself with Christian men that are not afraid to, and that's one thing I tell you, when you have a Tony Miltenberger and when you have a Charlie Drain in your life, you're going to get a steady dose of what they are being led to say. And it's going to be, if it's not scripture based, it's going to be something that is just so close to what they think God's heart is, whether it's advice, whether it's critique, whether it's encouragement. Uh, so I pray, I'm, and, and if everybody will just continue to pray for me, that people like that will continue to surround me because I wish I got the still small, quiet voice. I wish I understood scripture the way that you do when you read it. I wish that when I, even though I love worshiping, uh, I I just don't hear it. But when I have people like you and Charlie and others that really give me a good reflection, and it's a and it's a reflection I trust. Uh, it's a mirror I trust. So that's 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 real good. Uh, okay, I have one more question for you, and then. Uh, a very special announcement that we'll share at the very end. But before we do both of those things, I know that the podcast family may want to connect with you. Where is the best place to learn about what God is doing in and through Greg Fay and Greg Fay Insurance? Uh, my personal Facebook page. Uh, everybody jump on and I'm not at my friend limit yet. I'm getting close, uh, but I want to, <laughs> I want to, that's where, that's where I share my heart. Uh, I steal some of your stuff. Uh, I steal some of Charlie's stuff. I share family stuff. Uh, I uh, uh, 
I, uh, yeah, no, that's a, that's the best place. And I hope I get it right. Uh, it's just number one, Greg Faye. And if, and if you friend me, find somebody that I know and go through their friends. And we'll find link, we'll me. link to that's, it. In the show notes. Say it again, please. We'll link to it in the show notes. Boom. Perfect. Okay. That's the best place to see what God's going on. I'm pretty open with it. Stacy's like, Oh my gosh, I cannot believe how much you share. And, I like I know, honey. I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then they can learn more about Greg Fay at gregfayinsurance dot com, right? On the insurance side, absolutely. Everything you ever wanted to read, uh, good stuff. All right. Last question I love to ask people, and you know this, it's an advice question. I'm going to ask you to go back in time to give yourself one piece of advice. Except I get the name of season of life that you're in. Where are you going back to, Tony? I was wait. I've been waiting for this, brother. I've thought all day long trying to think of. <laughs> I was going to text you earlier and say, "All right, when is it going to be?" <laughs> uh, I want to take you back to your very first day after you left the army. If you could huh. sit down with that younger version of yourself, newly discharged, fresh face. Uh, and sit knee to knee with that young man, look him in the eyes, and give him one piece of advice about the journey he's about to go on. What are you going to tell him? Oh, boy! I, I, mm, I guess I guessed this was going to be one of I, I had like five that I was tossing around in my head. This is one I, I haven't paid too much thought to. This one I actually thought it was going to be something else, but th- this one's easy. Uh, Man, I was always in a hurry. Uh, my cousin Michelle said to me, Greg, she said, you're guilty of something, and you do it quite frequently, to get to something. If you're looking forward to something, you are so willing to wish time away to get to that point. And she's right, and I still do it, and I know it, you know. But I don't do nearly as much. I have far more appreciation. You know, my I am where my feet are every day now. And I have not, I not was not that way then. I was I always wanted to be someplace else. And I never truly appreciated where my feet were planted. And in some cases, they were planted in really good space. Uh, you think of you know, you're a parent, so you know you just put the most precious picture on your Facebook. Dude had me in tears all three of yours sleeping in the back seat, and I was like, oh man, I mean, just tugging at the talk about being in the moment. You were in the moment, appreciating that there, and I would tell. Greg Fay back at age 22 to be more like the thought of what you had when you were shooting that picture right there. You were totally in the moment. And uh, I could have did that better. It's a good word, brother. It's a good word. It'll preach. Which mm-hmm. wait, which section of life did you think I was going to ask you about? Well, I, I was torn. I thought you were going to go with the start of the insurance business. And then I also thought maybe you might reflect back to just recently, uh, you know, what I look, I saw a Facebook thing right there. We're going on, I think, six years, five or six years. And we got tight pretty quick. 
I mean, we got tight pretty quick. It was, it was really, man, it's rare in life when you bump up against somebody and you go, man, that dude right there. Uh, yeah, I, I, we need to hang out more. And, uh, so <laughs> I kind of thought, I kind of thought that might be it, but, I, uh, anyway, that's good. That's good, brother. Well, well, I, uh, I didn't get to half of the questions that I had. There were so many other things. That's one of the advantages of knowing somebody as well as I know you is that I can jump around your life pretty easily. So yep. we'll leave a little, we'll leave a little in the tank for the next time. And, uh, and, and part of the impetus for this entire dialogue is one, it was well overdue. And two, it's because I am super excited to announce that in 2024, the Reclamation podcast will be sponsored by Greg Fay Insurance. And so I am so let me just let me just have a second here and just say that um, that your generosity and just your willingness to do this and and honestly, just the way that you've supported me as a brother in Christ and a friend is something that means the absolute world to me. Um, never in a million years would I, or Karen for that matter, thought that um, that the podcast will have lasted long enough to have a sponsor, and mm. not only uh, a sponsor, but somebody who I I love not as a friend and and as somebody who who does my my insurance, and so I know what world class customer service you deliver, and so uh, so I just wanted to end this podcast by saying thank you, thank you, thank you. Long overdue, long overdue, man. You have poured into me. I can't even, I can't even, you and I go for walks and you say that you just started this business coaching business. You're a bold faced liar, Tony Miltenberger. You are a bold faced liar. You have been doing business coaching. You just decided to give it a name and put a label on it. Let's be honest. Uh, nobody has poured into me in recent days the way that Tony Miltenberger has. So to endorse what you are out there doing, I feel silly. You and I didn't think of it a year ago. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for being so generous with your time today, Greg. I'm a hundred percent sure, uh, we will do this again. So thank you, my man. Love you, brother. I love talking to my friends on the podcast because one of the things that it gives me the ability to do is just pepper them with questions. And so I deeply appreciate Greg's heart and openness and vulnerability in this conversation, all about his mom, his brother, his generosity. And I'm so excited about the year ahead and the partnership with Greg and his insurance agency and being the presenting sponsor of the podcast, it means the absolute world. So do me a favor, let Greg know that you heard him here on the podcast. Thank him for coming on. And uh, if you're looking for good insurance, he's a great place to start. As always, guys, I'm so thankful for you. I hope you have a wonderful day. And remember, if you want to follow Jesus, you must be willing to move. <laughs>